Welcome to episode 164 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the a tradition unlike any other, the GSP edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host and my co-host, the former iRacing Indy 500 champion, uh, a computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar on the road today. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? And doing great, Phil. Of course, uh, on the road, but always glad to be able to make it on here. Um, good Easter and everything. And of course, we got dirty down in Tennessee this weekend with everything that happened in NASCAR. So yeah, uh, ready to get into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Bristol dirt, hopefully this is the last time they do it for the sake of our sake of society. I mean, it was just a waste. It took like 18 hours to finish that race because they threw the, the way they threw cautions was completely nonsensical. Um, but yeah, Christopher Bell comes out the winner of that uh, Bristol dirt race and uh, whatchamacallit. In the Xfinity race or, or the truck race, Joey Logano gets another victory in the trucks. So that was uh, good for him. It was dominant for for uh, Christopher Bell. He ended up leading the last 100 laps of the race. He stayed out after stage two or stay, he went and pitted stage one, stayed out after stage two. And essentially the vast majority of the people who did that uh, we're able to um, capitalize on that. So we will talk about the cup and truck races. Uh, we'll see what's going on in regards to, um, I'm probably going to go and give a little Masters thing because it's a reference to the Masters, the draft. We still have a couple weeks away. Um, and NASCARs, we're going to do, uh, we're going to give our thoughts on the top 75 so the additional 25 drivers that are going to be elected as part of the list that they had from back in 1998 uh tony stewart was given his uh award yesterday during the the pre-race from mike helton and today candy cane was one of the uh 25 so we're going to actually go and do a throwback to what we talked about Josh and I uh, last year during the end of the season when we were trying to come up with uh, different things to do for the show in the off season. We went over this uh, this exact thing. Who's the twenty five? Who are going to be the twenty five guys that you would add? Uh, Josh went uh, cup heavy. I went with a mix of cup and. Xfinity and trucks and uh, other and modifieds even so and late model drivers. So that's something that we will get into here before we get into the roundup, uh, which is Supercross at Glendale last week, which saw Eli Tomac break his tie with James Bubba Stewart for second to become second all time alone in wins with 51. Uh, we'll preview IMSA at Long Beach, MotoGP and Moto2 and Coda. So they'll be at the doing the U.S. Grand Prix. World Endurance Championship is back uh, this weekend in Portimao. And NHRA is in Las Vegas for the first of two four-wide races this month. Uh, they'll also be running at Charlotte later this month. We'll do previews and picks of the Acura Grand Prix at Long Beach and the Martinsville Triple Header Weekend which starts uh, Friday with the trucks, Saturday for Xfinity, and Sunday for Cup. 
Josh will let us know what's going on in the world of iRacing and gaming in the sim segment, and we'll uh, close the deal. So, yeah, tradition unlike any other. Uh, hopefully, the dirt race is not a tradition anymore um, because it's really not great. Uh, the Bristol Food City Dirt Race or whatever uh, saw Christopher Bell lead, as I said, the last 100 laps, score stage points, uh, get his first win of 2023. And we'll run, we'll do a rundown here. Uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Ricky Stenhouse, oh, Richard, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chase Briscoe, your top five, Justin Haley, Martin Truex Jr., Todd Gilland, Kevin Harvick, and uh, Keebler Gibbs uh, finished 10th. I don't know what happened. I thought he finished 11th. They said he had finished 11th initially, but I guess they moved him up to 10th in when they made the official results. Uh, so other people who scored stage points, William Byron finished 13th. Blaney scored stage points in both stages, but uh, got cleaned out by uh, Briscoe late. Ryan Priest had stage points in the first stage, and then him and Larson got into it, and uh, he decided to finish the job on Larson. Eric Almirola scored stage points, but was uh, had issues with his car and finished 31st. Kyle Busch had a broken suspension. He was running up front, the defending winner of this race, because the fail Mary by Chase uh, on Tyler Reddick last year didn't work. And then the winner of the first stage and the pole sitter for this race, Kyle Larson, ended up finishing 35th. The winner of the first uh, dirt race at Bristol, Joey Logano, finished dead last. He was having issues the whole day. And Jonathan Davenport, who's the uh, multi-time Lucas Oil late model champion, dirt champion, one of the best out there, uh, Superman, and uh, he struggled in the cup car the whole weekend and uh, finished 36th and also came out and said that this isn't dirt racing. It's basically an exhibition, which is essentially what it is. So yeah, Christopher Bell gets that victory. Of course, a former USAC midget champion, three-time winner of the Chili Bowl, uh, really talented in that realm, of course, Kyle Larson being there, uh, the guys that are all behind him, everybody in the top five has some sort of uh, dirt experience or background before they came to NASCAR. And Justin Haley has a wide array of experience in his career uh, prior to even coming to NASCAR. So that's the first like actual guy who isn't a dirt guy is Martin Truex Jr. Todd Gilliland, I picked him in one of my pools because he's won two truck races on dirt. He had one of his best runs of his uh, cup career this weekend. Uh, Harvick, of course, is another one that isn't a dirt guy, and Keebler is a pavement guy. So, I mean, Christopher Bell ended up keeping the, the uh, what do you call the track position there, Josh, they had 14 cautions. He was fading a lot of cautions. I mean, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, five cautions. And um, he was able to fade all that and uh, hold Tyler Reddick off. Uh, Briscoe actually had a chance, but didn't go for it. And then lost track position on ensuing restarts. Reddick tried. And then when Ross Chastain 
crashed with whoever else he was with there late in the race. I think Josh Berry and uh, I forget who else there late. Uh, that was uh, yeah nine. Okay, so yeah, and the and and Daniel Suarez. So those three guys all got into it, and Ross Chastain was stopped in three and four. So they threw the yellow and basically ended the race on the green white checkered. Uh, so yeah, Christopher Bell. A guy who was in the final four last year, won multiple races to back get in to the final four, sets himself up really well uh, to get through this next, whatever, the better part of the season to go and get ready for another playoff run at a time when the Toyotas have generally been struggling so far this year. Yeah, of course, uh, Chris Bell. Um so far this year, he's kind of been off and on. Of course, you know, last week was uh, blaming Ross uh, Chastain for getting into William Byron. And now this week he wins the race and he did a pretty good job of, you know, defending his position at the end of uh, the dirt race. And he was able to hold the lead. You know, he was challenged by uh, Chase Briscoe, had him on his rear bumper there with about 20 laps to go. And then um, Chase lost uh you know, pace with him. And then Reddick was right there with him. Uh, and then he was able to survive the last couple of cautions and Tyler Reddick was right there ready to make a move uh, on the last lap when um, Josh Berry and Ross Chastain, among others uh, got into it on the back stretch and they had to throw the uh, yellow out there. So um, would have been an interesting finish there uh, for sure. But um, Reddick right there, once again, to finish, uh, you know, in the top two, um, you know, with, uh, the way it, you know, happened in, uh, last year and then this year. So, um, obviously five dirt guys, top five, uh, really impressive, of course, and about what you would expect, uh, the way, how everything, uh, played out in this race. So yeah, definitely, um, a, a lot that happened in this race, but, you know, we go back to what you said earlier about, you know, this race being a show, um, being, a entertainment and spectacle. Um, yeah, definitely really feels like that, you know, especially, um, you know, with the way the race is being done procedurally compared to a normal cup race, you got several heat races, um, a metric uh, called passing points, which I'm not even going to uh, try to even learn because uh, it just sounded ridiculous when I was learning about it on the broadcast, um, things like that. Um, you know, the stages in the middle of it, of course, um, you know, the different things that happen to it and just feels like, you know, a one-time, one-off event that really should be an all-star race. Uh, I think the driver's opinions all reflect that, and even the guy that came into this race just for race on dirt, you know, with uh, Davenport. Uh, obviously, you have guys like that, Larson, um, Bubba Wallace, all guys that have raced uh, in dirt, you know, in the past and have had success, all saying that, you know, this race should be a uh, – you know, not on the schedule or not a points race. So yeah, definitely agree with that there, but yeah, it's definitely an um, interesting event, but I don't know if it's worth running on dirt anymore. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, the non-competitive pit stops also is, is goofy. Um, you know, if you want to pit, you should be allowed to pit it's cup. Uh, I get non-competitive pit stops when you're, excuse me, when you're at, if it's a truck race, it's a, it's a race where they don't, or an Xfinity race where they're a standalone event, non-competitive pit stops. I get that because you're not going to have cup pit crews or generally you're not going to have uh, fully trained over the wall guys. However, in this race doing that, you basically dictated the entire strategy 
I I can't remember offhand how many of those guys in the top 10 pitted in the first stage, but I figure the vast majority of them pitted at the first stage break and then did not pit again. And the only one that I can remember that, well, maybe there might be two. I think I might be it because it was Reddick and Austin Dillon, I think were two of the guys that pitted after the second stage. And then they ended up coming back, I think, into into contention but i also would argue that with the amount of cautions they had in the race i mean it was almost likely um for them to do that uh there was a lot of wrecking there was a lot of cautions inconsistencies in the calling of yellows there would be people who spin out literally turn around and get the car going again they would call they would call yellow then the next time it happened, they wouldn't call a yellow. There'd be cars stopped on the racetrack, nothing. I mean, it, it just seemed really farcical, totally farcical, um, the way they called the a race. Uh, 14 cautions. It felt like there was 40 cautions. It's a 250-lap race, and they spent uh, at least a third of it under you know, what felt essentially, you know, at least over a quarter of the race under yellow. And that that there's 12 actual cautions and then the two stage breaks. So 12 cautions and then I don't know how many laps of those were um, stage or non-stage cautions. Let's see. I'm just going to go. So that's four laps there, four laps, so eight laps. So 12 for 63. So 12 for 63. So that that is pretty bad. Um they don't, and also you have the notion of these guys not knowing how to really self-police, and with these green-white checkers, it worked out that they um, ended up only having one, uh, thankfully. But there is a lot of unnecessary um, contact and kind of it was aji baji, as um, the great Calvin Fish would say. Uh, it it just seemed kind of unnecessary, uh, but. Whatever. Uh, I felt like that race took three and a half hours because of all the cautions, but whatever. Uh, only four leaders of the race, three of them basically dominated the five, then the five, the 45, and the 20. Those were the three dominant figures. It's not surprising. Um, for Briscoe and Austin Dillon, they were both looking for a win. Because they're kind of they're buried in points. Ricky Stenhouse, I think that's his best finish since he won the 500. Justin Haley is deep in points because of the penalty and the way NASCAR and the appeals panel handled the penalty for Colleg, but gave points back for Hendrick. But then they decided to go and randomly take two of the Hendrick cars, the 24 and the 48, I believe, to the R&D center and penalize them for something else. NASCAR goes and makes up a rule in their rule book now where the appeals panel cannot on, cannot take out a part of a penalty. They can only reduce the penalty, which is funny, which is kind of WWE-ish in that sense too. So, I mean, it's kind of like a really wasted weekend in regards to that. Uh, I hope to, if they're going to run dirt, like go to freaking Eldora, please. You know, go to... Go to whatever, Bubba Raceway Park. I don't know, whatever, Volusia County. I don't give a crap. As long as it's an actual dirt track. You know, you're not going to California next year for the to ACS. There's plenty of great racetracks in California you can go to that are both paved and dirt. 
that you could go and run a race and you could stay in the market. You could go to Eldora. You can go to, well, Knoxville, definitely not. Uh, that's definitely not an idea. It, it, has to be, it, it has to be a banked racetrack. It has to have banking uh, of some sort. And you need to have somebody who gets how to pre- prep a track, which, of course, Tony does. The problem with the trucks, which you'll get into in a moment, is they have no horsepower and they they have these mini little tires. So it's just really f- dumb. At least with the cup cars, you got, in this case, 750 now. Again, they'd be better off if they had 900 or 1,000 like they used to. And then that would have actually been a real race. Um, you'd have actually had tires digging in. You'd had wheel spin issues. You'd have been, I mean, you had Ross Chastain shifting which I think is kind of crazy when you're having to keep the car under control and then you're shifting gears too. But yeah, there's ways to fix it, but nobody's listening to people like us, even though we've watched this sport for as long as we have, and we've had a passion for it, but it is what it is. Uh, I mean, I'll shout out to JJ Yaley for getting a top five start the first time he started in the top five of a cup race since the 2007 spring race at phoenix which i i forget it was on on twitter and i i don't think it was the fall one but or Or was it the fall one i I, well whatever one of them uh and that top five was quite interesting it involved the likes of johnny sauter and uh, a couple another random in there and I don't know who's I forget who was on pole even. So that was credit to him on a weekend where uh, Rick Ware Racing definitely has a lot more going on for them uh, outside of the racing. Uh, getting that deal, Austin Sindrick actually started in the top 10, and he's not a dirt guy by any means. Uh, Blaney ran way better than where he finished. Priest, same way. Kyle Busch had a, had a, a part failure and multiple parts failures and that's why he ended up 32nd he ran way better than that uh other than that i mean the top three were all top 10 starters briscoe started in the top 15 gilland as well but then there was what one three five of the drivers were outside of the top 20 so it tells you that even with the way the racing was and uh what it seemed like a lack of passing up front and because of the way NASA, the way Fox presents a race, you wouldn't know that there's racing going on anywhere else, which is a shame considering that Tony and, and Clint actually had a great interplay and balance off each other very well. Um, they actually did a good job. It seemed like Mike Joy didn't want to be there, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be there anyway, but Clint Boyer wasn't a squawking dog for once. Okay, so got rid of all that uh, pain and aggravation. Uh, we will now move to, or sorry, gotta go and give you the cup points as, uh, as they, uh, move on to Martinsville this coming weekend, the no co 400. So 400 laps instead of 500, the 500 lapper will be in the fall for the cutoff race. Christopher Bell takes the points lead over Ross Chastain by 13. Uh, Kevin Harvick is third. Kyle Larson fourth, stays in fourth. Um, Tyler Reddick gains seven spots and is now in the top five. He's got a point lead, one point lead on Kyle Busch, who's in six. Martin Truex gains a spot and he's in seven. Joey Logano loses three spots with his 
deep finish there. Brad Keselowski, ninth. Ryan Blaney, 10th. Bowman, Hamlin, both losing positions. O. Richard moves up three spots. William Byron, Austin Sindrick, and Chris Busher is 16th. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, none, none of the guys who have won a race are outside of that. So they're all in there. So that is a 16 right now. Uh, Chase Briscoe with uh, his run last on Sunday moves up to 20th in points. He's only 20 points out of the cutoff. Austin Dillon is, moved up four spots and is 26 points off of the cutoff. So those are two guys that stood out. Todd Gilland is 23rd. Uh, moving up when you consider the issues of trying to get a ride every single race. He's been running really well recently, so credit to him. Uh, so those are some of the guys there that are in the mix. Uh, Justin Haley getting that top five finish now is starting to get back into the plus point category. He's 30 points out of 30th. Uh, he's going to pass Cody Ware this coming weekend anyway. But uh, yeah, that's that's about all with uh, these cup guys for the cup race. Let's move on to the trucks. The um, what's it? The weather guard truck race at Bristol was uh, Joey Logano benefit. Never heard of Hang Ten Car Wash, but we definitely saw a lot of Hang Ten Car Wash this weekend because he won and beat were Thor Sport and the guy who finished second is a Thor Sport regular in Ty Majeski. Uh, William Byron running for Kyle Bush finished third in the 51. Crafton fourth. Grant Infinger fifth. Jake Garcia, the rookie with no sponsorship on his McAnally Chevy finished sixth. Chase Briscoe running for AM Racing finished seventh. Tanner Gray eighth after starting 34th. And Caden Honeycutt, who was one of the the big talking points of the race the whole entire night. And Matt DiBurrito was 10th. Rajah Karuth was just um was just outside the top 10. So um credit to him. He's starting to make the uh make moves and starting to run better. So that's something great to see for him. Uh, but, you know, Joey Logano dominates this race, Josh. I don't really think there's a lot of cautions, of course, in this race as well. Uh, what does it amount to? 11 for 64, and there was, what, 150 laps, so more than a third of the race was run under yellow, and that is with two stage. That was five laps for that stage, and then, yeah, 10 laps, so, so nine for 54 laps, so still... Over a third of the race was run under yellow. There was a lot of vehicles wrecked. Tyler Carpenter, I think, caused about five yellows. Um, Christian Eckes was taken out there late. Uh, there was a lot of carnage in this race. I mean, Norm Benning actually made the race, and he actually finished on the lead lap too, which is crazy. Um, you know, some of those guys, like Davenport ended up driving for Spire and finishing 14th. Uh, there's other people. Some of these uh, regulars had rough nights and got used up, like Zane Smith, Nick Sanchez, uh, Josevar, Ben Rhodes, and uh, the like. Stu Stuart Friesen got cleaned out late in the race while he was running up front most of the night. He wasn't happy. Uh, 
it's not just the fact that his wife couldn't make the race, but then he gets cleaned out too late, um, loses some good points. But Logano dominates, takes a win from a regular, um, and include and that regular, of course, was his teammate for the for the night. So that yeah, so I know that. Uh, so uh, what are we thinking in terms of uh, Logano doing yet another dominating performance at Bristol in a truck? I mean, it's not really surprising in. Um, the sponsor name kind of fits the uh, performance, right? He went and hung 10 on the field there uh, on Saturday night at Bristol. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, this race uh, with Logano winning all three stages uh, and then there are, yeah, all three, including the race and then Crafton or not Crafton, but yeah, Ty, Ty Majeski finished second in, in all stages William Byron finished third in all stages. The first time uh, since the implementation of the stage racing era have we seen uh, a race where the top three in a stage remained unchanged uh, throughout the entire race. Um, so that's a interesting aspect there, of course, um, and shows how competitive this race actually was. At least in the cup race, um, it did change um and everything but this one uh did not really do anything and of course you mentioned the amount of cautions well percent of the race according to racing reference uh 44 laps under caution average green uh, flag run of seven laps uh, throughout the race so it tells you how uh, much they know how to race uh, on the dirt here in the truck series um but you know i think you go back to uh, what you were talking about earlier with Eldora and everything. And, you know, the truck series race in Eldora was an actual event and had prestige. And there was a lot of uh, hype behind it, a lot of, um, you know, momentum behind it, at least the first couple of years that it was run. And now this Bristol dirt race in comparison doesn't really feel the same the way that uh, that race did, you know, way back in the day uh, when they first started doing trucks in Eldora and trucks in uh, dirt in general. So that's one thing to think about, uh, and overall with, um, you know, order to continue with this concept or, or not. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, you know, kind of interesting there. Um, of course, you know, the back half of the top 10 kind of interesting as well. Um, the Caden Honeycutt, uh, had a top 10 finish in this race. Uh, you know, he's been, been pretty good, uh, so far, uh, to start the season, but now just his, uh, first or well, last couple of weeks, uh, first couple, uh, top tens for him now. Uh, so you know, he finished in ninth place, of course, uh, to Benedetto finished in 10th, uh, Roger Carruth almost broke into the top 10, uh, on the dirt. So he was real close to getting a, uh, top 10 finish there. Um, Davenport, of course, uh, finished in 14th. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the guys that, um, you don't really see that often excluding Davenport there, uh, really, um, finished, uh, fairly well in this race on uh, the dirt, you know, compared to where maybe they normally have finished. So good, good aspect there, but of course, you know, overall the main point, you know, dirt racing in general, I think, you know, these cars, truck and cup, you know, aren't really designed to do uh, dirt racing. And so when they do it, it's, you know, highly specialized and it looks kind of awkward. Um, definitely think that, you know, it's more of a show, like you said, and, um, if they're going to run dirt, of course, run on a real dirt track because that's definitely where where they belong. So uh, put them back at Eldora, um, like you said, because that was a real event. Or come down to Florida, race here in Ocala, Bubba Raceway Park or Volusia Speedway Park, like you said earlier, which I agree with. Uh, so, yeah, definitely um, things there. Um, and then, yeah, on top of that, I remember Norm Benning made the field in the first, uh, you know, the 
Eldor heat race that they ever had the elimination. He made it in and he was a starting park back in those days. Uh, and a lot of people were happy for him and, um, they didn't really have any of that in this race, uh, this year. So, or any of the years that they ran at Bristol. So, you know, another, uh, thing to point out about, you know, the prestige and, uh, validity of the Bristol dirt race and Bristol dirt race weekend in general. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're not trying to be negative, but, you know, of course we got to lay it straight in this, you know, it's how you feel and, you know, it's how I feel about, you know, this whole weekend here at Bristol. Yeah. I mean, the trucks, we've already seen this experiment go on for way too long. It's similar to them running on road courses that are very long, like Coda, um, Portland, which they're now Xfinity's running was a perfect size uh, road course. They need to be racing at, at tracks that are less than, probably two and a half miles or whatever or less. And that goes for road courses as well. Like Snoroma probably is a track for trucks to be running at Portland, you know, Lime Rock. I don't know. You know, like there's, there's different options that are short, shorter road courses, but dirt, unless they give the trucks like two, 300 more horsepower for dirt races, they really have to stop doing this because they don't have enough horsepower. They look like they look like our uh, herd of turtles, as AJ Foyt once famously said. Um, you know, like there, there's it's just a waste of time. I mean, no passing, basically up front, even uh, which uh, Josh mentioned when the top three drivers were there the whole entire night. I mean, it basically proves. I mean, Zane Smith finished eighth in both stages before he got wrecked. Um, only three leaders in the race or four lead changes among three drivers. Uh, was it Zane Smith and Matai Majeski Joe? Yeah. Logano led the last nearly hundred laps of the race himself. So, I mean, that was basically a, it was a kind of a waste of time for everybody, but for, for Joey Logano, a victory, getting a new sponsor into the sport um, credit to him uh, to go and get that victory. But it was definitely not great to watch. I'm pretty sure if you're even at the racetrack, it wasn't great to watch either, but um, you know, so there's, it is, I guess it is what it is, you know, people use that uh, deal there and uh, whatever. <laughs> I think that's really all, we can say uh, I'm just glad they're not going to be running dirt uh, with NASCAR, at least for the rest, at least for the rest of this year, doing us all a favor because it's not compelling action at all. And uh, it's not something these vehicles are meant to do. We still have Knoxville, don't we, for trucks? Do we? I hope not. Jesus. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look over here. Uh, no, no. Okay, thank God uh, we don't. Uh, uh, because that was just a destruction derby. Um, they're going back to the Milwaukee Mile. They're going to IRP again this year. Um, the first race of the playoffs is going to be at Richmond at the end of July. Uh, so that'll be something there. So that first round of the playoffs is really good. Richmond, IRP, and the Milwaukee Mile. The second. Uh, Second round, we'll have Kansas Speedway, Bristol, regular, and then Talladega. Or no, that's wrong. 
I'm I'm incorrect on that because Bristol Talladega Homestead is the uh, that's the whatever second round. The first round is IRP. I might I think that's what it is. Yeah, because it's yeah okay yeah that's right. So IRP is the opener. Richmond is the cutoff for that. So I mean they're running at Mid Ohio, which makes some sense, but whatever it's not really a great racetrack i mean i don't think there's very many racetracks that are good with the trucks the way they are these days uh to be honest now they'll after martinsville they'll take a couple of weeks off uh before they run five consecutive weeks essentially a couple of friday races in between that as well uh while with before the schedule really turns into a cluster fuck for the truck series Ty Majeski leads the points uh, by 34 over Zane Smith. Zane Smith is the leader in the playoff standings, of course, with uh, Christian Eckes and then Carson Hosevar uh, because he won at Texas. So then Majeski would be fourth in that case. Rhodes fifth, Crafton sixth, Enfinger seventh, Corey Heim eighth, Tanner Gray ninth, and Dee Burrito is in tenth, two points ahead of Nick Sanchez, three ahead of Purdy, and uh, eight ahead of Stuart Friesen. So Tyler Ankrum lost some ground uh, this past weekend, lost four spots. Uh, Jake Garcia, out of to just look at somebody who's uh, he didn't he hasn't even run every race. He's run five of the six races, and he's only uh, twenty two points out of the cutoff right now. So that's credit to him, credit to the McAnally Hilgeman team. I mean, Haley Deegan, even for as useless as, of a whore as she is, um, was a 25 points out of the cutoff. I mean, she actually was worthwhile uh, last uh, last week at Bristol Dirt, and then she was able to stay out there and not get involved in the huge wreck and benefited from a top 10 finish at Texas the week before. So she's the worst of the Thorsport trucks by far because all three Thor sport trucks are in the top four and then she's there. So I don't know, maybe it's not the equipment anymore. They, they blamed, they blamed DGR Crosley for the equipment for why she sucked. Maybe it's something else because it was the same excuses they used for Miss Hummer too. And when she stunk up the joint and Kevin Harvick was winning and other people were winning in Stuart Haas equipment and uh, she was the one that couldn't. So Okay, so we'll move on now because um, we're we have some stuff to go over this past um, from this past weekend. They announced the uh, started announcing the top fifty or whatever drivers or top seventy five drivers of all of all time, and uh, with that, and that included uh, Tony Stewart yesterday um on on the telecast with mike helton uh wilford brimley uh except he's like six eight or whatever the hell he is uh coming out and giving him that and then today was candy cane uh which all right well i'm gonna get into that in a second just uh i'd be remiss if i don't go over the masters tournament mainly because um i've been eating a taste of the masters for basically the last few days uh pimento cheese and egg salad uh good stuff uh their cookies are insanely good the chips 
they're oots, so I mean you can't really go wrong with oots. Uh, but it's a really quality thing. It's definitely master's level. I think they should go and let let the patrons pick what they want in their package, and then it would be cooler. But we'll see what happens with that. John Rahm ends up going and getting the victory on the anniversary of uh, Sevi Ballesteros' second win there and also his birthday. Uh, the late great Sevi Ballesteros would have been 66. The last time that it landed on this day, Sergio Garcia won the, the green jacket. So if you're Spanish, you want to win on 4-9 at at a, you want to be playing well at Augusta during that week. But John Rahm ended up winning by four shots over Phil Mickelson, who shot the best round he shot in about two years, I think since the final round of the 2021 PGA Championship. And Bruce Kepka ended up kind of blowing up on Sunday. Uh, it wasn't like a, it was a controlled burn where he just started leaking oil um, on Sunday morning in the third round and then it just continued into the final round so but they finished four shots back three live guys finish in the top five um, jordan spieth had a great final round shot 66 uh ends up five back of john rom but uh emotional thing for him getting that second major and you gotta think now that they're going to uh for the pga championship he's trying to get that third leg of the Grand Slam for sure at um, at uh, in the PGA. I forget it was Oak Hill or something like that. That's where they're going to play. Uh, before, so then we, I was talking about the top 75, and Josh and I were talking about it offline. I was able to somehow or another, through my pile of everything that I got going on here, find my list. If you don't remember the top 50 drivers that were – um that were listed i'm trying to go you know highlight is nascar hall of fame so yeah the 50 greatest drivers as voted on back in 1998 uh, this is alphabetical order um bobby allison davy allison buck baker buddy baker jeff bodine neil bonnet red byron jerry cook dale earnhardt senior ralph earnhardt bill elliott richie evans red farmer tim flock A.J. Foyt, Harry Gant, uh, Jeff Gordon, Ray Hendrick, Jack Ingram, Ernie Irvin, Bobby Isaac, Dale Jarrett, Ned Jarrett, Junior Johnson, Alan Kowicki, Terry Labonte, Fred Lorenzen, Tiny Lund, Mark Martin, Herschel McGriff, Cotton Owens, Marvin Panch, Benny Parsons, David Pearson, Richard Petty, Lee Petty, Tim Richmond, Fireball Roberts, Ricky Rudd, Marshall Teague, Herb Thomas, Curtis Turner, Rusty Walls, Daryl Waltrip, Joe Weatherly, Bob Wellborn, who I think was, or not, uh, I was thinking he was the guy who made that point system. I think it was Latford. Rex White, Glenn Wood, Cale Yarborough, who's not doing very well uh, right now. So praying for him, for all the fans, people who, who know this sport. He's one of the greatest ever to drive a race car and even owned cars for a while. Then Lee Roy Yarbrough was the last driver. And I'm just doing rough math here. 31, 34, 36 of those 50 have been elected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, then you have uh, 
I highlight, why did I, oh, those are the next three people that I probably would have picked. Okay. And then we went over, I don't know which episode, I'm just trying to find out what episode it was that we went over the the Hall of Fame uh, or what we thought would be the next 25 drivers in in the NASCAR top 75 because the NBA, of course, is in the same realm. They did the same thing. Uh, they're doing the same thing this year. So that was um, that was why we went and did it. So I'm trying to go through, yeah, trying to figure out that. But just out of curiosity, I'll, um, Josh, you, you were, because Casey Kane ended up being picked as one of the 25 uh, drivers, I think that it was something where we were uh, kind of wondering how that was really possible when um, he's basically had two good years in his career in the cup series. So I am not really sure where that, where that happens or how it happens, but uh, what were your thoughts when you heard that uh, Casey Kane was going to join his buddy, Tony Stewart as one of the top 75 drivers in cup of all or NASCAR of all time. I mean, I, think it was surprising really. And I think maybe he could be deserved and there's maybe a case that could make for him. Certainly, you know, Brickyard 400 winner, um, three-time Coke 600 winner, uh, right. And everything like that. But, uh, you know, obviously those are two of the crown jewel races, but, um, I feel like if he were to be announced, it should have been like towards the end of the list, not right after smoke, certainly one of the greatest of all time. Right. Um, I don't think Kane is on that level. Um, you know, I, I, even if they announced Dale Jr. after smoke, uh, I would be a little shocked. Um, cause I mean, I feel like the next person after you announce smoke is probably Jimmy, um, you know, with seven championships and then you go from there. Uh, but you know, I guess they decide to put Kane in the list. Um, I mean, I don't completely hate it cause I mean, I, you know, I guess when we were talking earlier, I forgot that he'd won the Coke 600 three times, which is, you know, pretty good achievement. And obviously, you know, he had a pretty successful career, um, you know, when you think about it. But uh, I just think that, you know, he was not really that, you know, deserving to be announced after Tony Stewart because, you know, obviously saw Tony Stewart get announced yesterday and was like, okay, well, that fits. And they did during the broadcast too. So, um, you know, I think Tony, you know, obviously deserves to get in um, and just would have thought, you know, they would have announced somebody like, you know, Jimmy Johnson or Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick or somebody like that who has like the numbers uh, to back it up. And to me, when you say greatest of all time, right, or greatest drivers ever, um, you kind of go in, I guess, in, in order of greatness, but um, I mean, I wasn't around in 1998, so I don't know um, what order or how they did the announcements, um, you know, back then. So, um, but, uh, you know, I just uh, was a little surprised that they announced Casey Kane that early. But um, I mean, I, again, like I said, you could make a case for him on the list. And I think, you know, if they're going to put Dale Jr. on the list, um, which I think he probably will be on the list, you know, at some point, two-time Daytona 500 winner, 26 race winner in the Cup Series and everything, um, you know, I I mean, their careers are probably comparable in uh, a lot of ways. So, if, you know, Junior is more than likely going to be on the list than uh, Kane probably deserved to be on the list too. Um, but again, like, 
um, I mean, Tony and Dale, uh, I mean, obviously they're friends too, but I don't think I would have, uh, wanted to see Dale Jr. be announced. You know, he's my favorite guy and everything, but would, would have been surprised to see him announced right after Tony Stewart the same thing for Kane. So that's, that's really my thought on there. So, um, interesting to hear uh that they announced it like that and also just the fact that they're going by um like individual announcements for these drivers instead of just announcing like a singular list and get people talking that way you know or even just like you know you announce it all in one day or something like that and then like at 6 p.m or something you announce uh you know who who the guy or the entire list right so kind of interesting to see how they're um, unveiling this list and I guess really 25 additional to the original 50 greatest drivers uh, in NASCAR. So something you think about there, but yeah, that was, that was kind of what I was thinking when, you know, I saw that announcement earlier. Yeah. I mean, it, I was kind of hit off guard cause I was coming back from my workout and you texted me and you essentially said like, do you think that Casey Kane's a Hall of Famer or something along those lines. I'm like, not really. But he's like, well, he's just been added to the top 75. And I'm like, they literally put him after Tony Stewart. Um, okay. Um, I completely agree that Jimmy, I get that they did it with Tony because he was there. That's fine. But if you're going to go into something like the next 25 people, I think the first person you have to probably crown is, is Jimmy. 83 wins, seven championships, won every big race at least twice, um, probably more um, over his career. And now he's a car owner too uh, and driving partial rate, partial schedule this year. So I, my assumption is he's going to be in the, I think they're going to have something with him in the all-star race and, or they're trying to do it before Darlington. So I think, uh, so I don't know where he's racing next. I think he's probably running one of these next few races here uh, prior to they run the Darlington throwback weekend. Um, so then they can go and give it to him. I mean, I, I'm i just going into my list. And um, I just to recap, we did it on episode 144 back in November, uh, the same episode where we covered George Russell's maiden Formula One victory in the Brazilian Grand Prix and Lewis finished second. Uh, basically the bright spot of the whole entire season for them. We also went over the 25 additional drivers. Josh, you went cup heavy, you said, and it makes sense in the sense of when you came into the sport, understanding of what, uh, what your fandom was mostly in cup anyway, because Dale Jr. was there. And, uh, there's other people that are plenty of other people in this, in this series and the whole time that you've been a fan and that that's valid and it makes sense. And I think this will be a very cup heavy list. I mean, the vast majority of these drivers that were on the original list are cup drivers. Uh, there's very few examples of non cup drivers here or not like full-time cup guys, like one, two, uh, basically maybe three or four, essentially i mean ray hendrick and aj foyt are the two clear examples uh after that and jerry cook jerry cook and uh, richie evans so they're four uh other than that i can't really see anybody else that wasn't like a cup regular guy or did their best work in drive or driving in cup itself rex why yeah 
I'm trying to go through this old list anyways. And yeah, so they only, they emphasize cup drivers and or owners or whatever in that list. But ironically, when they voted the NASCAR Hall of Fame, they put Bill Francine and Jr. in there with them instead of making just a whole wing for that, which we've talked about on the show. Uh, the drivers I listed, it's no particular order. Of course, I put Smoke in there, not just my personal bias. You can just look at his freaking career. Um, three championships and 49 wins and all that. I put Wendell Scott in because he's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame as a pioneer uh, African-American, having to deal with what he had to deal with, uh, considering the crap that Darrell Wallace Jr. deals with these days. I think it's pretty similar, um, except now in these in this day and age, it's social media. There wasn't social media back then. There was just effed up people just showing up and saying horrible things and doing horrible things. Uh, but that still exists here too in this day and age. So it tells you how little progress has been made or how we're going backwards. Um, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Ron Hornaday Jr. being the greatest truck series driver ever uh, based on his results and what is it, 51 wins and four championships, winning at the initial part of the truck series when it first came along, coming back and winning two more championships later in his career for Kevin Harvick. I think that's self-explanatory. He's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame as well. Uh, I just talked about Smoke. Bobby Labonte's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's a He's a Bush Series champion, and he's a Cup Series champion. Uh, I think that's he's the only one to do that. I mean, it might be uh, it might be wrong. Oh no, Martin Truex. Yeah, Martin Truex actually became the first person, I believe, since Bobby Labonte to do that. Um, I believe. I, I feel like that is the case. Um, or Brad. Oh wait, Brad did it. Damn it. So now I'm screwing myself up. Clyde, Brad, uh, Martin Truex, but Bobby Labonte was the first one. There you go. Uh, Greg Biffle had won both Bush Series and Trucks, but didn't ever win the Cup Series title. Uh, Johnson, which I mean is self explanatory as well. Uh, I also picked Kyle and Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, the amount of wins all those guys have. Uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, the uh, three of the four have a championship. Danny Hamlin owns it, one of the biggest teams in the sport now. Uh, his podcast, he basically is telling, he's giving us all the information you really need to know. So he's kind of blowing up the facade of what is the Daytona Beach Mafia in a lot of ways. I, I of course, put Junebug in because his body of work across uh, being a two-time Xfinity champion, being a two-time Daytona 500 winner, being the most popular driver, having to deal with what he had to deal with after his dad's passing, et cetera, et cetera. And now being a great spokesman for the sport and one of the only people who's trying to keep the history um, in the sport uh, by doing that, he, he has so much value and meaning uh, in outside of being a driver and being a car owner these days as well. Matt Kenseth, Tony Hirschman Jr., modified superstar, Mike Stefanik, who's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, the late Mike Stefanik, that he's he's an absolute goat, um, both in the modified ranks and in the what was the Bush North series, now it's a K and series. Justin Bonsignor, multiple 
time modified champion uh, standout. Jack Sprague, the three-time Truck Series champion, he was one of the three guys that really were the three faces of the Truck Series in their initial years. Matt Crafton, uh, that's one where people talk about the Crafton rule. I, one of the guys that I follow and I we go and I kind of comment on some of his posts, he talked about, well, if you put Matt Crafton into the Hall of Fame, what does that mean in terms of some of the other people? Well, I put him in my 75 because he's a three-time champion and longevity, et cetera, et cetera. You can argue that all you want, really. But I believe he is valued to Duke and Ronda Thorson being there for the better part of 22 years. 22 of his 23 years of his truck career uh, has been at Thorsport. So uh, Joey Logano, now he's a two-time Cup Series champion. So it kind of makes there's it makes sense on a bunch of different levels. And Brad Keselowski winning both uh, Cup and Xfinity championships, getting them first for for Roger Penske, uh, winning all the big races, Sands the Daytona 500, and now he's a car owner. Martin Truex Jr. over 30 wins, Cup Series champion, two-time Xfinity champion, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He's his home track is basically half the tracks on the schedule. Um, he's one of the good guys, but he has won a lot of races here in recent years. Mike Skinner fits the mold of the three. It was Ron Hornaday, Jack Sprague, and Mike Skinner. He was the original Truck Series champion. He won a bunch of races, came close to at least one more Truck Series championship. Uh, both are, I think he was in the mix in 96 before going to cup and then he was mixed in the mix again like 11 years later when he came back to trucks i added todd bodine because he's a two-time truck series champion and he was an absolute beast at daytona driving for the germain team uh, made 500 starts in nascar's top three series and now he's been a longtime tv guy so um he his meaning to the sport is there in that sense. He's won a lot of Bush Series races too, and contended for Bush Series titles back in the day. Sam Ard, the legendary uh, Xfinity driver, uh, who passed away, and or he ended up getting injured and having to get out of the seat when he had won the championship. He was one of the greatest drivers in that series. Um, so. You have, when you talk about having the likes of uh, Jack Ingram and uh, Red Farmer, amongst others who made their name in that series, uh, you have to add Sam Ard to that list. William Clyde Elliott II gets in. It kind of has similar feels to Dale Jr. because uh, now he's the most popular driver in the sport, but he is a Cup and Xfinity champion as well and has won in all three series. I put in Larry Phillips, who's a legend in the Winston, what was the the old Winston Racing Series. Uh, the I think now it's the Advanced Auto Parts. Uh, I forget what they call it now, but it's sponsored by Advanced Auto Parts. And uh, what do you call, um, Lane Riggs won it uh, last year. I think Josh Berry won it a couple of years ago as well, winning the national championship for running the uh, grassroots circuit. And then Doug Kobe, the four-time NASCAR modified champion, 
I added him in. So all the modified guys I had were multiple time champions in the series. And it fits when you consider Richie Evans, Jerry Cook are both on that list. And then you have the likes of Jeff Bodine, who made his plied his trade in modifieds prior to becoming a cup series driver. Uh, and then legendarily having a rivalry with Dale Earnhardt. Um, so the, that's my list. I also made honorable mentions for Frank Kimmel, Don Thompson Jr., Andrew Ranger, Scott Steckley, Iggy, Iggy Katona, Randy LaJoy, Larry Pearson, and Jimmy Spencer because of their work in either ARCA, the Canadian Pinty series, what it's called now, uh, Xfinity, or and or modifieds the three drivers the next three drivers that i had that could have made it in my list would have been jeff burton greg biffle and carl edwards now i'd venture to say those three guys are probably going to get in the 75 because one of them's involved in tv one of them is uh has somewhat of a presence still in Biffle and he's running he runs SRX and then Carl Edwards has disappeared off the face of the planet, but he's won seventy two total races across all three series, twenty eight in Cup, thirty eight in Xfinity, won an Xfinity championship. Uh, I think they're probably gonna add him into the list. So some of those guys that I said modified drivers or some of the truck series people, uh they may keep off so they can put more of the cup guys in there in that list so that was my list from uh back in november i am not adjusting it if you like kyle larson sorry um he'll be in the sprint car hall of fame he'll be on every dirt racing hall of fame he'll probably make the nascar hall of fame anyway so god bless him uh but he's not part of my added 25 uh, like candy cane essentially Kyle Larson's had one season where he went nuts, and that was, what, two years ago, which was a work in its own right, uh, winning 10 races in the championship. Other than that, can you tell me a season where he might have had one other season? So he's basically candy cane, except with more driving ability, whatever. That's that's really what it is. Uh, let's move forward with that. Uh, let's get into the roundup here. Uh, this evening, uh, Supercross is at, was at Glendale at uh, Chase Field uh, this past weekend, and Eli Tomac goes and gets his uh, 51st career Supercross victory in uh, in the in Glendale. So credit to him! What a what a great job for him to go and get that victory there and retake the points lead in the process. It was a uh, triple, what do, you, what do you call it? I think they, what is it? The uh, triple, not triple threat. That's a freaking wrestling thing. But um, uh, I forget what the hell they call the, the format. But they have the three races, and he had the best average finish across the three. Uh, Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton, Justin Barsha were the podium. Cooper Webb, the former points leader, finished fourth. Ken Roxon, fifth. Adam Cianciarulo, 6th, Aaron Plessinger, 7th, Colt Nichols, 8th, Dean Wilson, ninth, and Jason Anderson finished in 10th. The point standings are after the race on uh, Saturday. See Eli Tomac, as I said, take a 7-point lead over Cooper Webb. 
Chase Sexton is 25 points behind, so that's a full race win behind uh, Eli Tomac. Then Roxon, Barsha, Anderson, they're all in a tight battle, five points separating those three, fourth through sixth. But they're well out of uh, the championship race uh, there. In the 250, in the 250 West uh, race, it's more of the same uh, in terms of the uh, the winner and 450 you know, official results. That Jet Lawrence, the Lawrence brothers, have dominated the 250 class this year, and no different. Uh, won two out of the three mains and uh, takes the win. R.J. Hampshire was second, Levi Kitchen third, Pierce Brown fourth, Enzo Lopes rounds out the top five, Derek Kelly, Mitchell Oldenburg, Max Voland, Robbie Wagaman, and Carson Mumford round out the top ten. Um, okay, so I yeah, so he's in the East Coast. Okay, so I'll be going back to the East Coast uh, this week for at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, so they'll do that. Jet Lawrence has a 26-point lead on RJ Hampshire, 52 on Cameron McAdoo, who's tied with Levi Kitchen. Enzo Lopes is in fifth. Oldenburg is in sixth. There's two points separating those four riders. Uh, but the East Coast uh, Supercross will be happening again this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And then they'll be coming to East Rutherford the following week for at MetLife Stadium. Uh, for that race, then they'll go to Nashville, to Nissan Stadium, Denver, and Mile High, and then the final race of the season in Salt Lake City. Uh, so this the championship is going to uh, end up a yeah, triple crown. There you go. Not triple threat, triple crown. There you go. The IMSA series will be back at Long Beach this uh, coming weekend as a uh, as a the one of the uh, support series for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. It'll be GTP and uh, GT cars racing this weekend. 28 car field. Uh, the prototype class is the same cars as we know so from so far this season. The two Cadillacs, the zero one or three Cadillacs, the zero one and uh, from uh, or no two Cadillacs. Uh, zero one from Ganassi with Borde and Renger Vandezanda, Sebastian Borde, Renger Vandezanda, the two, and then uh, Pippo Durrani and Alexander Sims, who won the 12 Hours of Sebring after Philippe Albuquerque and uh, what is it? I think it was uh, Felipe Nazar, Matthew Jaminet, whichever one it was, wrecked and each other, and then the other Porsche got involved in it too. So, yeah, the two Porsches, Nick Tandy, Matthew Jaminet, Matt Campbell, Felipe Nazar, the Acuras, the 10 Conoco Minolta car with Ricky Taylor, Felipe Albuquerque, and the 60 Tom Blomquist and Colin Braun. Then you have the two BMWs, Philip Eng and Augusto Farfis, Connor Filippi and Nick Yaloy, the BMW RLL cars. In GT Pro, there's only five entries. The Corvette with Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, Klaus Bockler, and Patrick Pile in the FAF Porsche, Hawksworth and Barnacote uh, in the uh, Lexus, Ross Gunn, Alex Riberas in the Harder Racing Aston, and Daniel Junkadella and Jules Gunon in the WeatherTech Racing Mercedes. 15 entries in the 
GT Daytona category, Paul Miller Racing, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow in the BMW, Frankie Montecalvo, Aaron Tielitz in the other Lexus, Vassar Sullivan, the other harder racing, Aston, Roman DeAngelis, and Marco Sorensen, Mike Skeen and Mikhail Grenier in the Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes, Russell Ward, Philip Ellis in the Windward Racing Mercedes, Sheena Monk and Catherine Legg in the Gradient Racing Acura, Brandon Rebe and Frederick Shandorf in the Inception McLaren, Alan, I can't even pronounce that name. I'm not even going to try. Uh, Bryn Yoffson, I guess. Okay. Well, that that's good enough for me. Uh, Trent Hinman in the right motorsports Porsche. Misha Goitberg and Laura Spinelli. Forte Racing uh, Lamborghini. PJ Hyatt Seb Prio in the AO Racing Porsche. And the two Kelly Moss Porsches, Alan Met. Met Metney and K Van Burlo, and then Alec Goodell and Uren Bleekamolen, the other Acura Racers Edge Motorsports Acura with Ashton Harris and Mario Farnbacher, the BMWs from Turner Motorsports. So they dropped the one, they decided to drop uh, Bill Oberlin's car back into the GT Daytona class after running in the GT Pro category the first two races of the season. Patrick Gallagher, Robbie Foley in the 96 BMW, and then the 97 of Bill Oberlin and Chandler Hull. We'll see how that goes next week and go over the results from that deal. MotoGP will be running at Circuit of the Americas, MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3, of course, will be at Circuit of the Americas. Coming off of the last race in Argentina, Marco Bisecchi gets his maiden victory for uh, his first victory and then first victory for VR46 in the main category in MotoGP. Joan Zarco and Alex Marquez make a Ducati sweep of the podium. Franco Morbidelli gets his best finish in forever on the Monster Energy Yamaha, and Jorge Martin was uh, in the top five there, so four Ducatis in the top five. Championship standings going into Coda, Bisecki, Leads a defending world champion, Peko Bagnaya, by nine points. Joan Zarco is in third, Marquez fourth, Maverick Vinales in fifth. So four Ducatis, the best non-Ducati is Vinales, who is uh, 18 points behind Isecki. Um Jack Miller sixth, Tori Martin seventh, Brad Binder eighth, and then the two Yamaha riders, Morbidelli and Quattararo, rounding out the top ten. In Moto2, the last race in Moto2 in Argentina saw Tony Arbolino get the victory over Alonzo Lopez and Jake Dixon. The um, Going into the American riders, uh, Joe Roberts ended up getting two points, finishing in 14th. Um, Sean Dillon Kelly ended up uh, falling out early in the race, unfortunately. Uh, so that was... Uh, Tough for him. Hopefully, he can go and have a good run this coming weekend at uh, at Coda. Arbolino's the points leader by eight points over Aaron Kinnett. Pedro Acosta is in third, and uh, what is it, twelve points behind Jake Dixon, fourth. Philippe Salik in fifth. I'm trying to go through here, see the points. Um, Joe Roberts right now is in seventeenth in points with four tied with. Two other riders, 
and uh, there's a bunch of guys that haven't scored points so far this year. Uh, I guess the American Racing, his teammate has scored points, it looks like, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, but because he does have a teammate, Sean Dylan Kelly. But uh, I guess he hasn't. Oh, uh, yeah, Sean Dylan Kelly and Rory Skinner. Yeah, neither of them have scored points. So there you go. At least they're consistent. And the Mandalika SAG team is also sucking. So there you go. And the forward team. So three teams that are pretty terrible, and they're all down there. All right. We'll go and move forward with WEC at Portimao uh, this coming weekend, their second race of the season. They ran at Sebring, uh, the 1,000 kilometers at Sebring, which saw Toyota do what they usually do, uh, dominate and win. But this time they'll be in Portimao. The participants in the race, the Cadillac, Number two from Ganassi will have Earl Bamber, Alex Lynn, Richard Westbrook. The Floyd Van Wall, number four, which was had a lot of issues. Tom Dillman, Esteban Guerrieri, and Jacques Villeneuve. Uh, the Porsche, number five, with Dane Cameron, Michael Christensen, and Fred McAwicki. The second Porsche, which will have Kevin Estra, Andre Lauderer, and Lawrence Vantor. The Toyotas, the number seven, Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez. Of course, Kobayashi is the team principal as well. Uh, number eight of Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa. The Prema racing team uh, is number nine, Juan Manuel Correa, Bent Viscal, Ugran, number nine. The 10 is, uh, don't know, Gabriel Aubrey, the one guy you know on that team. Uh, the 22, Philip Hansen, Ben Hanley for United Autosport, and Josh Pearson, Guido Vandergaard, and Oliver Jarvis in the 23. The Jodas 28 car, David Heinmeier Hansen, Pietro Fittipaldi, and Oliver Rasmussen. The WRT, Sean Galeo, Ferdinand Habsburg, and Robin Freins. Uh, is that Antonio Felix da Costa? It kind of looks like him. But whatever. Um, Al, the Alpine team, which has uh, Negrau, Memo Rojas, and Ali Caldwell, Mac, Matthew Vaxvier, and oh, those are 35, 36 Vaxvier, Julian Canal, and Charles Milesi there. The other WRT, uh, Rui Andrade, Robert Kubica, and Louis Delatraz. The Hertz team, Joda Sport. Oh, no, that's Antonio Felix da Costa. Yiffie or Ye Yiffie, whatever. David Beckman, they're going to be moving up to the uh, hypercar category later this season. And then Dorian Peen, the uh, iron, whatever, the, what do you call The iron links or whatever the driver, um, Mirko Bartolotti and Danny Kvyat in the uh, 63 for Prema rounds out that field and gtm af corsa don't even know any of those people so i'm gonna michael dinan and charlie eastwood both are in the aston number 25 the corvette with ben keating verone and nick nicky katzberg the ferrari 54 from af corsa is david rigon the project one portion number 56 phil hyatt gunner Jeanette, and that car uh, the Kessel Racing Ferrari, Daniel Sarah, Scott Huffaker, uh, the drive, the main drivers, the guy who's funding the deal, Kimura, is the other driver. Don't know any of the people in the 
Oh, it's the Iron Dames. My fault. The Iron Dames driver and then the Iron Lynx team and the Porsche. Don't know any of those people. The Dempsey Proton, Julian Andlauer, Peterson and Christian Reed in the number 77. Then you have Richard Millet, of course, Wadu, Luis Perez, Kompanek uh, in the 83 Ferrari, the Iron Dames car of Sarah Bovey, Michelle Gat, Gatting, and Rahel Frey, 85 Porsche. And don't know who was anybody in that car. Ryan Hardwick, Zachary Robichon, and Harry Tinknell in the 88 Proton competition, uh, 80 in Porsche. Northwest AMR, Paul Dallalana, Jeffries, and Nikki Team, who has one of the best mullets out there. And then the Japanese run uh, Aston Martin D Station Racing. Fuji, Hoshino, and Stevenson don't know any of those people. So that's the rate, that's the field for uh, Portimao. We'll give you the results. More than likely, Toyota is going to win anyway. Uh, last but not least is NHRA in Las Vegas for the four wide, first of two four wide events of the season. I want to go and see if, uh, see if they put up the, Entry list for the the four wide nationals doesn't look like it, so that's that's not good. Uh, TV schedule, event schedule, event lodging, event info, event tickets. That's not what I was looking for. So we'll just go over the standings. Top five in top fuel right now. Justin Ashley with a forty five point lead on Steve Torrance, fifty five on Mike Salinas. Brittany Force, the defending world champion in fourth, and Austin Proc, her teammate, is in fifth. Leah Pruitt is in sixth uh, in the TSR Dodge Power Brokers uh, top fuel car. Right now, Tony Schumacher is on the 10th spot, the bump spot. Uh, there's two other drivers, Milliken and Hart, I think, that have run every race this year, so they would also be eligible for the playoff. Matt Hagen in the TSR Dodge Power Brokers Charger SRT Hellcat is a points leader over Ron Caps, you know, who's running his Napa Toyota, the battle they had last year. Now they're continuing it this year. Uh, Alexis DeJoria's third. Uh, Caps and Hagen, 26 points. Uh, Hagen, DeJoria, 64. Robert Height, 71 points back. Bob Tasca, 74, rounding out of the top five. Chad Green, J.R. Todd, Wilkerson, Haddock, Blake Alexander on the bump spot. Uh, you, John Force right now is 13th in points, so pretty brutal for him. There's 14 drivers, I think, that have made every uh, race this year and run the majority of the qualifyings and all that. Very close battle in pro stock. Dallas Glenn, the winner of the last race at Pomona. Five-point lead on both Matt Hartford and Camry Caruso. So the three winners so far this year. Uh, or no, Troy Coughlin, I think, won at Gainesville. Who's in fourth? Bo Butner is in fifth. Stanfield, Anderson, Koretsky, Mason McGay, and Erica Enders actually is 107 points back in 10th. Four other drivers outside. I mean, maybe five actually that have made the majority of runs. So we'll see how that's going in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, Gage Herrera, the rider for Vance and Hines. Uh, Suzuki won in his first start for the Vance and Hines team. Angie Smith, second. Chase Van Sant, 
Gianna Avaristo and Matt Smith, Eddie Krawick, Ryan Ayler, you know, Joey Gladstone, Steve Johnson, and Chip Ellis running out the top 10. I think they've only run one race, so that's why the points are so close. Josh, uh, we'll, it's time to bring you back in. It's the Grand Prix of Long Beach this coming weekend, one of the classic events, one of the longest-running street course races in the world. Uh, been an IndyCar staple after Formula One decided to leave and um, for whatever reason, but yeah, they they ended up leaving and it was IndyCar's gain, first cart, and then starting in 2009, what was the IZOD IndyCar series or I or whatever the hell they were calling it. I think it was the IndyCar series by that point. Um, recent winners, New Garden, Herta, Rossi, two years in a row, 18 and 19, James Hinchcliffe, now a TV guy, Simon Pagano. Dixon, uh, going back a ways there. So going back to 15, uh, Dixon, I think, uh, yeah, Dixon is only one. He's only won the race once. Wow, I'm surprised. Um, of course, going way back when Al Unser Jr. was the king of the beach, uh, winning there six times, got wrecked for possible. He, he had three years in a row or four years in a row, and he got knocked out by his teammate Danny Sullivan for five in a row. And then Tracy won his first IndyCar race there in 93. Al Jr. then won another two years in a row in 94-95. Michael Andretti won his first race there and his next to last race of his career there as well. So just going back into history, Mario Andretti was the first winner of the IndyCar race there. And he also won the Formula 5000 event. That was the first ever event held on the streets of Long Beach. Conway, Mike Conway, the Toyota driver in WEC, is a two-time winner of the Grand Prix of Long Beach. So, interesting. Um, yeah, so we have, uh, I mean, the field is going to be the 27 cars uh, that have been, that are the regulars. Um, looks like uh, Junkos Hollander actually is moving up the board. I guess it's based on the point standings or something, or the last race result, or or it was qualifying, or I think. Yeah, it must be qualifying. They determine it, the pit road assignments based on qualifying. Okay. So there you go. Now, what do you think? What do you think, Josh, in regards to uh, who you think is going to contend and who's going to win this weekend? And somebody that you might believe is a wild card choice to win or contend this coming weekend at. Uh, Long Beach. Yeah, of course, uh, the Long Beach Grand Prix, IndyCar's most signature race outside the Indy 500. Um, you know, it's been an interesting race, uh, street race, uh, you know, over the history of the, you know, series and everything. Um, but, you know, this year, um, I think, you know, Pato Award, you know, he's finished second both times so far this season. And, you know, I think this race last year was kind of where things began to turn around and stabilize uh, for um for paddle awards uh season last year i think he finally picks up his first win of the year um at uh long beach here pick up his first win of the year for um mclaren and uh should be an interesting one but um joseph newgarden also could be a threat in this one um and i think rossi could be a threat 
uh, in this race. You know, he was really good last year, making moves and everything throughout the race, uh, even though he only finished eighth. Uh, I think Roman Grosjean will uh, be a good threat, of course, uh, was up there running for the win um, with Scotty McLaughlin uh, at the beginning of the year at St. Petersburg. So um, that's something to think about there, too. I think Colton Herta, also previous winner of this race, of course, ran well uh, before running into issues at uh, St. Petersburg. So, yeah, a lot of good guys to pick here, but I'm going to go with Paddle Ward. I just think you know, he's finished second enough times that it's going to happen. I think this one's the one uh, that it happens at. You know, as far as a wild card um, in this race, uh, see him looking back at uh looking back at St. Petersburg and how that race played out. And you know, I'm gonna go with uh Augustin Campanino. Um I think he's been a really good uh pick uh you know as far as a wild card. He's finished very solid 12th uh at St. Pete and then uh 12th again at Texas. So let's see if he can get a better result than 12th. Uh so far good re- result start for the year. Um you know Hunko's very small uh, team, you know, compared to the big boys uh, in any car. So let's see if he can, uh, you know, hang around there and get a good result on really tough racetrack. You know, the Long Beach Grand Prix, of course, um, uh, very rough uh, all the way around. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of tight corners, uh, you know, throughout the racetrack. You know, you've got the um, carousel where, you know, the flowers are. That's, you know, very, you uh, uh, tight corner right there um shoreline drive of course uh, a lot of high speed for you know breaking zone you know going into that uh chicane so um and then you of course the last corner is a very very tight corner where you know you can have a lot of mishaps of course we saw that happen to paddle award back in 2021 the last race of uh the year where he had a chance to win the championship and got spun out early on in, in that corner on the um you know the beginning of the race so um a lot of a lot of things can happen in this racetrack, and certainly um, think uh, it's going to be an entertaining one. Of course, we've already seen two really good races so far this year. Let's let's get another. Let's go three for three. Uh, third time's the charm. Um, you know, three uh, good things come three. So uh, let's see if we can get a good one here uh, this weekend. But yeah, that's who I'll go with: uh, Paddle Award and Augustine uh, Campanino. All right, both good picks. Of course, Paddle's been really consistent to start the year, and. Uh, He's trying to finally get that championship, and they've made a lot of changes at McLaren to make that happen. He's their lead dog in that sense. And Augustin Canapino, the Argentinian driver, the rookie, a longtime touring car uh, champion in, in Argentina, coming to IndyCar. The Junkos Hollander team has been the biggest uh, surprise, I think, in the series in early on with uh, Callum Eilat contending top 10 finishes really being good on two different types of racetracks and canapino just keeping his nose clean just being smart getting experience it's it's a really good story to see those guys doing so well uh for me i'm gonna go with and it's gonna make me throw up but uh, i'm gonna go with winch power uh he's a two-time winner in in the in the IndyCar series, he's a three-time winner. If we count uh, we count his win in uh, uh, two thousand, yeah, or no? So he is a okay. There you go. He is a two-time winner, and they counted what was essentially the last ever kart race 
as one of those. So he's finished second, what is it, twice since then, his last win in 2012. He's finished in the top 10, was it four, five, six times since his last win there and six, 11 times in his out of his 14 starts at the at the track he has finished in the top 10 so pretty uh solid choice i would say uh in terms of what i would call a, a main pick my wild card selection i mean you got 20 we have way more than yeah you have 29 drivers right now but not all of them are racing every race uh, my wild card pick hmm. Uh, kind of intriguing to be fair uh, there's some options really good options actually uh, i you know what i'm gonna go with the with what josh was talking about based on how good roman grosjean was at saint petersburg uh it's it's a similar there's a lot of similarities there's a lot of differences but i think uh, roman grosjean has shown uh, an aptitude on these street circuits. Andretti Autosport was really fast at St. Pete. They usually put a lot of effort in trying to be good at Long Beach. Um, you know, three of the last four winners of the, or three of the last five winners of the Long Beach Grand Prix have been Andretti Autosport cars. So, um, three, yeah, three of the last four you know, years that they've run there has been Andretti Autosport. And then you had Hinch driving for uh, the, uh, what is now the McLaren team. So those are my choices. We'll see what happens with that uh, next week on episode 165 of the Gripstrip podcast. And uh, okay, let's get into the trucks Xfinity and Cup at Martinsville. Going to be interesting uh, event there. Trucks and trucks will be running at night on Friday, so it'll be balls cold. Probably uh, you have um, you'll have Xfinity, I think, running in the afternoon on Saturday afternoon. Just going to confirm that uh, they're oh no, they're going to run at night as well. Okay, so they'll be running at night, um, and then Cup will be running in the afternoon. Their usual mid mid afternoon start, which is stupid. Um, for the truck series, the Long John Silvers 200 has 38 drivers for 36 spots. I wonder if they're going to run two of those start and park pieces of shit for G2G. And the answer is no, they'll only run one for some guy named Memphis Villarreal. And they're locked into the race. So uh, that's for whatever that's worth. Uh, Justin Carroll trying to make his first truck start. And the number 90, his own run, his own team with his dad. Connor Jones making his first start of, I don't know, he announced it a while back that he's going to be running a bunch of races. So he'll be running the number 66 truck. Uh, Lawless Allen's missed two races so far this year. So he's looking to actually make a show. Um, Steven Malazzi, wherever the fuck he is, he's going to be driving the 34. Uh, the driver for the 30, I think they announced it. They actually said who's going to be driving the 30 truck this uh, weekend. Jonathan Schaefer, um, whoever he is, uh, will be driving the 30 truck and go through the rest of these guys. 
Oh, Brad Perez. Look at that. Brad Perez will be in the number 20 for Young's Motorsports. Uh, Rayum not driving for himself. He's driving for AM Racing. Well, he has two other drivers driving for him. Then you have, I'm trying to go through the rest of these guys. And yeah, William Sowlich is going to be in the number one Tricon uh, Toyota. Otherwise, it's the usual suspects there. In terms of cup, cup regulars, it's Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain uh, out there this coming, uh, this coming week for the truck series. I get first, I'm taking first pick uh, after Josh had the Indy cars and I'll pick Kyle Busch. Uh, why not? It's pretty easy when Kyle Busch is in a truck race. It's hard not to pick him and he's one for one this year anyway. That'll be my, uh, my pick for the winner. In terms of a wild card selection, this is it's there's there's a few options to be fair uh, because it is a short track, likely a lot of carnage. It's going to take place as well since drivers don't seem to have any respect for each other. Um, I'm going to pick Rajak Ruth as my wild card. Uh, he's making a lot of progress. Josh mentioned it earlier in the show when we were going over the truck race at Bristol. Um, they've just not had a lot of luck, uh, but Raja can drive. The GMS vehicles are very good, uh, proven by Grant Infinger, of course. So I think Raja Caruth would make a lot of sense at a track where uh, Wendell Scott vibes have worked very well for Daryl Walsh Jr., um, one of his better racetracks. I think Raja, who's very experienced on the short tracks, can go and possibly pull out a top 10 uh, finish there. Uh, Josh, how about you? Who are you looking at for the trucks at Martinsville? Well, if you're going to go with the one cup guy, I'm going to go with the other, and I'm going to go with Ross Chastain, as uh, Mike Davis once said on the Dale Jr. download. So <laughs> go with him winning um, and go with uh, – well, you picked Raja, and I was going to pick Raja – but I'll go with uh, Caden Honeycutt, of course, had a top 10 last week at Bristol Motor Speedway. So let's go with, uh, you know, getting another top 10 here uh, this weekend at Martinsville. Yeah, Caden Honeycutt is uh, doing really well here. Best that that Roper truck has looked like uh, even with uh, Roper driving it. Uh, I think he was really good on the super speedways and, I don't know because of the sponsorship or what they got going on there, but this Caden Honeycutt is showing a lot of skill and talent uh, in behind the wheel of that that vehicle. Of course, getting Bruce Cook, a very experienced crew chief, over in into that organization's a big piece to that. I would think as well. Well, solid uh, choices there. We hedge with the Cup guys and we take our chances with two of the young guns in this series that kind of drive with a level head compared to some of these other people that drive in these series. Call 811.com to 50 at Martinsville, 40 for 38 uh, spots. Caden Honeycutt is actually going to be driving for, uh, what's his what's his name, uh, uh, Mike Harmon's team in the uh, number 74 Timmy Hill will be back in the number 66 MBM car this weekend. Uh, we got, what is it? LeBay is in the 91. 
Kyle Weatherman trying to make his first start for the 96 team. They failed to qualify at Richmond. Kyle Siegel being the 28. Gase and Emerling are running for their own team. Go through some of these other people. Leland Honeyman, who ran at Phoenix earlier this year and I think ran over a couple people. He's in the 45. Ryan Ellis is, yeah, he's running the majority of races in that 43. Joe Graff Jr. is in the 38. Uh, Connor Mosak is in the 24 again. Uh, Ryan Truex in the 19. Uh, go through Derek Krause is back in the 10 car for Colleg. Greg Alding will be driving the, or no, he's the full-time guy. Um, Stefan Parsons is actually driving the 07 for SS Greenlight. So decent opportunity there. And yeah, I mean, that's about it. So Josh, you get to go first uh, here for your choices at Martinsville for the Xfinity series. Yeah, I think my winner here is going to be Josh Berry. Of course, picked up his first win at Martinsville in the Xfinity series. Has won there many times before in the late models. So you know he knows how to get around this joint, and I think he um you know he, he pull off the win. Um, he's had a lot of good runs here so far in Xfinity, but just doesn't hasn't closed out the deal yet. Uh, to convert that into a win, of course, uh, ran third a couple weeks ago in uh, in Richmond and everything. So just hasn't had a win, but so this far, year, yeah, this so year, because yeah. he has one. You said at Martinsville, yeah, this year, this year, yep. right? yeah. So get his first win because he already has a win at Martinsville, but first win this year. But yeah, um, so go with him as the uh, pick for the win, uh, and then uh, wild card pick. Uh, We'll go with uh, Kaz Grala, of course, ran pretty well over at uh, Richmond a few weeks ago. So let's see if he can repeat that uh, once again, uh, which I think is very doable, especially in the series and especially at Martinsville. He can come out with a pretty good finish uh, uh, in this uh, at this track. Yeah, two solid picks. Grala, of course, having experience from the trucks there. And uh, also some experience in the Xfinity at that racetrack. So solid pick there for sure. And also with picking Josh Berry, I think. And he won his first race there with Taylor Moyer as his crew chief. So they're back together. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, My choice for the winner here, I'm going to go and say, I'm going to go with uh, John Hunter Nemechek, because he has a lot of experience, of course, same, not just ex- plenty of truck races there, but he's run cup there and uh, done the Xfinity series too. So he's got a lot of experience at Martinsville. Joe Gibbs racing has done a great job in the Xfinity series at Martinsville over the years, recent, since they put more two races there. So John Hunter Nemechek is my pick for uh, the uh, winner. In terms of a wild card selection, then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna end up picking Parker Retzlaff. I had a feeling that I was gonna pick Paperboy in that spot, and uh, it was confirmed. JHN to win Parker Retzlaff wild card uh, opportunity race. He's very good on the short. The under one and a half mile racetracks, the that Jordan Anderson team has been uh, pretty solid at times this year. So opportunity for him to get a solid run 
um, at a track where I think he spent plenty of time on, especially in high racing. There was also, I mean, Sam Mayer's got two top fives and three top tens. So you talk about JRM. It may not be shocking if Sam Mayer gets his first career Xfinity win this coming weekend at Martinsville. I mean, he got you, him and uh, uh, Keebler Gibbs were running over each other late in the race uh, last spring. And then, uh, of course, uh, Keebler Gibbs ran over his teammate, who's now Sam Mayer and Josh Berry's teammate, Brockshot Jones, to win the uh, race, the cutoff race, even though he didn't need to. Uh, now, the last but not least is the Cup Series 36 for 36, NOCO 400 at at Bristol or Bristol at, at Martinsville. They'll um, there's no announcement as to who's going to be in the 51 car as of now. Of course, it's not going to be Cody Ware because um, of his indefinite suspension. So there's uh, there's a lot to look at in regards to that. Uh, for so I'll get I'll go first in terms of Cup. I'm going to pick Joey Logano. He has a bounce back. Uh, victory. He's won there um, in the last 10 races. He has one win, but he has four top fives and nine top tens, along with a pole tied for the best average finish with his teammate YRB. Um, he's definitely somebody, I mean, after losing a lot of points at Bristol, I think he wants to go out there, get a second win, solidify himself in the playoff i don't think he's really worried about missing the playoff but i think he wants to get that second victory of the season out of the way now the wild card pick because what do we have here we got the first 30 32 drivers yeah 32 drivers who have run every race so far this season so that leaves the 16, anybody behind 16. So I'm going to pick Bubba Walls. It's one of his best racetracks. Uh, he's won in multiple truck races there. Um, him and Booty, when they can figure it out, they're a really great combination. Uh, he's had some tough luck, some unfortunate incidents and stuff, but I think it's an opportunity for him to kind of get back on track Talladega coming up, another great racetrack for him where he won his first career race. You got Kansas, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is a good time for him to kind of turn the tide and um, and get himself in, in the mix after what has been a pretty slow start to the season. I mean, they're going to run Martinsville, Talladega, Kansas here in the next month itself. So, I mean, there there's all those races are all – opportunities for him so those are my choices um cup and martinsville so josh you can go and close it for um for who you think is going to win and wild card for the race on sunday yeah i'm going to go with uh william byron winning the race on sunday um you know he's still in the early part of the season which seems to be where he shines the best so far uh, in cup uh, already had two wins in the year and he definitely um, was really dominant last year, of course, uh, in this race. So I'm going to go with William Byron winning and get his third cup win of the year, which would be a career high for him. Uh, wild card. Uh, I'm going to go uh, with 
I'm going to go with Eric Jones. And the reason there I'm going to go with Eric Jones is because um, it seems the legacy motorsports car have really a uh, uh, motorsport club. They've really um, been off to a bad start this year. And, um, you know, they've just really been off. But, you know, Martinsville's somewhat good track for him. You finished top 20 both times and uh, did have a 14th place finish last week uh, or, you know, yesterday at uh, Bristol. So let's see if they can put together uh, some good results here and try to get their season back on track, which, you know, talked about Bubba Wallace's bad luck and everything. And uh, Eric Jones, of course, uh, kind of the massive disappointment to the year, you know, after how they were last year, um, you know, they were a solid threat to, you know, make be an outside spot for the chase. So yeah, I'm going to go with him as my wild card uh, here this weekend at Martinsville. All right, solid pick. I mean, the 43 car has been pretty good at that racetrack over the entire history of the racetrack um, with Mr. The King and Bobby Hamilton. John Andretti won his last cup race. The late John Andretti won there in the 43 car. Um, and then Bubba also ran, ran decent in at Martinsville in that car. So Eric Jones... I think for that Legacy Motor Club, you're looking at certain tracks. I mean, last year they were way faster. I don't know what has happened this year. Um, I mean, Gagson being there I don't think helps, but uh, they had Ty Dillon, who was basically even more useless as a driver, and they were able to run well. So uh, we'll see what happens with Eric Jones. I think two those are two guys, as you mentioned, Baba and Eric Jones, that need to have a bounce back here this coming week weekend leading into a race that is an opportunity both of them were up front late at talladega last year jones was leading coming off of turn four i believe of the talladega race last year in, in the spring and lost the race so uh opportunity here over the next few weeks to kind of get themselves on track josh uh it's your time Again, we can continue because it's time for the sim segment. What is going on in the world of iRacing and in um, other gaming, uh, other games? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, this week on iRacing, um, I think, yeah, this week, the Cup Series and Xfinity Series and Truck Series, so all three main NASCAR series on uh, iRacing all at Martinsville. So there's going to be a lot of chances to uh, go this week on Martinsville. Uh, Xfinity, probably going to do that one a bunch in Cup, do that one a bunch. I uh, wonder if anybody's going to try to do the wall ride, but I wonder if iRacing's probably made the uh, move to ban that move and somebody will probably protest uh, the move if somebody does try that, but uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, there's that, and then of course the um, actually the Legends, the '87 car at Daytona, so that might be pretty entertaining. And then you've also got the Gen Four Cup car at Daytona uh, as well. So both those cars on the uh, old Daytona surface before the repave in 2011. So it should be interesting to watch uh, those, of course, especially the Gen 4 car. I haven't raced that one in a plate track yet, so I'd like to see how that one handles, uh, see if it's similar to uh, you know how it was back in the mid-2000s where um, handling really came into play uh, on that type of track uh, at Daytona. Um, roadside, um, looking, looking at that uh, on the road course side, uh, got uh, Ferrari Formula Ford uh, at Olton Park, so that might be interesting. Ferrari GT3 at uh, 
VIR, Virginia International Raceway. Um, you got uh, the other, the rookie series for Formula Fords competing at Elrond Park, uh, the Toyota Gazoo, uh, or yeah, Toyota GR Cup, uh, the GR86s um, going to Olden Park as well. Uh, so a lot of that. Um, the MX5 uh, also competing at uh, Olden Park, so that should be interesting there too. So there's a lot of, a lot of those cars uh, competing at Olden Park um, this weekend. Um, looking at uh, looking at that, that's yeah, that's pretty much all there is this week on the uh, roadside. So a lot of the you know that's really like what a lot of focus on is some of the lower level road racing series. A lot of fun, very competitive uh, to be in, of course. Um, and then of course, like I mentioned, Cup uh, and yeah, eighty seven Cup two thousand seven uh, at uh, Daytona. Uh, 2008, and then you've got the uh, regular NASCAR series competing at Martinsville. So, yeah, going to be a lot of chances this weekend, of course. Um, yeah, I think um, there's an interesting, uh, well, special event here that I just saw on the news feed for iRacing. It looks like they're going to uh, revive uh, the Road America 500, which was uh, part of the IMSA championship back in the 70s. Um, so that should be interesting. Uh, and into the 80s yeah. as well during the gtp era yeah so that should be interesting there too uh we'll see i gotta go i guess I gotta go on the computer and see more information about that i'm on the mobile app but they just had that news drop there so that might be interesting to uh try that out eventually uh or well uh try it out this year later on so yeah that's the that's on iRacing this week, of course, on uh, business trip right now. So uh, probably we'll get to that later in the week. Uh, in addition to that, um, actually, uh, hopefully weather permitting, going go-karting uh, in Bushnell, Florida. Uh, so Bushnell Motorsports Park, if you've uh, ever heard of that, that's a, a pretty pretty well-known go-kart track here in Florida. Um, but they've got some rentals and a couple of my friends and I are talking about going down there on Friday um, and doing some racing there. So it should be uh, interesting to uh, go there of course uh, weather permitting um, looks like rain may be in the forecast early morning on Friday and we'll see how that uh, we'll see that how that holds up uh, into the afternoon when you expect to be there and um, if uh, the track will be ready uh, if they I don't know what their policy is for rain if they do wet weather racing but uh, more than likely it'll probably uh, hold off uh, until the track's dry enough, I, I suppose. So we'll see how, how that goes there, but that should be fun. And actually I did look on their website and they do have a, their own iRacing simulator uh, there. So it's a very, very complex setup there that they've got with the full cockpit, the three screens and everything. Well, three TVs uh, instead of three monitors. So a uh, li little bit more legit setup uh, there. Uh, and I think you can pay 10 bucks and get 10 minutes for an iRacing session. So maybe I might pull that up and do one of the cars that I don't own currently on iRacing and maybe a track that I don't currently own as well. So I uh, can go on there and you know, get money's worth for, uh, you know, that much, or maybe go on the, one of the cars that I do know really well on tracks. I do know really well and go on there and impress my friends and show them how good I am at iRacing. So in addition to go-karting, so we'll go there and see, you know, hopefully we can do that. Um, and if, if not, then if it does rain on Friday, then guess, uh, um, maybe, uh, just do iRacing all day while we wait out the rain. Of course, here in Florida, that's how it is sometimes rain in addition to a lot of sunshine. Uh, but that'll be later on in the weekend. Hopefully, hopefully the weather stays good. Uh, but of course, when I do stream, uh, which I probably will since it's Daytona on the 87 and uh, 2007 side, 